Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified. The podcast where even though Sarah's actually been to the Paris catacombs, I insisted on doing the episode anyways. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. Stay tuned for my episode about Disneyland. full well we have already done an episode about disney parks but (laughs) i wasn't gonna let the joke go it's a good joke i have never been to disneyland that would be an interesting episode haven't you been near disneyland i went to downtown disney when i was in anaheim two summers ago yes and did you go to trader sam's or did you go to a different bar i think i went to trader sam's with the shipwreck and yeah 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 i got the tiki mug favorite bar I still drink smoothies. Yeah, I still drink smoothies out of my shrunken zombie head mug. Very nice. Speaking of shrunken zombie heads, uh, (laughs) we're finally doing an episode. (laughs) We're finally doing an episode about catacombs. Uh, I know we talked about them a little bit in our graveyards episode, but that was also sixty-five episodes ago and almost three years, and I feel like. I have matured enough to be able to talk about it to a certain extent. Sure. And I guess technically that was the episode where our mascot was born. Ben Feldman? Well, no, he wasn't born in the episode. <laughs> He's like 38, but... I I was under the impression that Ben Feldman did not come into existence until you willed him into existence so on your podcast. So weird thing, Ben Feldman is a tulpa. <laughs> and we did a Tulpa episode, right? I'm not I'm making that up. Sure. I think so. Oh, yeah, because I refused to research it for like a year and a half because it creeped me out so much. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're going to talk about uh, catacombs today. Yes. So it might get icky. It might get weird. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's all of our episodes now at this point. It's true. There's going to be some pictures on the website. Not the website. The Instagram, the which Instagram, is the website. Yeah. That you guys can check out later. They're not crucial, but it'll keep you from having to Google a lot of weird stuff at work. Encyclopedia Britannica defines catacombs as subterranean cemeteries composed of galleries or passages with side recesses for tombs. Also, we're going to draw attention to the fact that I can't pronounce buried right or burial. You did just fine right then. Yeah, but if it's in a sentence, I'm like on a roll. It's burial. Burial and boreal. Anyways, I know I do that. Just want to get ahead of it. (laughs) So the term uh, catacombs has an unknown origins, but it seems to have first been used on the subterranean cemetery under the Basilica of San Sebastiano located in Rome, which was reputed to have been the temporary resting place of the bodies of St. Peter and St. Paul in the last half of the third century. By extension, the word came to refer to all subterranean cemeteries and ossuar- ossuaries. Ossuaries. Bone houses. <laughs> Them bone pits. <laughs> Them bone rooms. Uh, refer to all subterranean cemeteries around Rome and eventually the world. Ooh. Uh, in, er- in the early Roman Empire, um, Christian community. Wow. You are just having a time tonight. In early Roman Empire era Christian communities. <laughs> it's almost like you've been just 
you've just gotten home from work after a hellish day of hell. And spent 45 minutes on a bus to go two and a half miles. Thanks, Burnside Bridge Repair Project. (laughs) See, this wouldn't happen if Kyle McLaughlin was actually our mayor. (laughs) In early Roman Empire era, Christian communities. Christian communities in the Roman Empire is what that sentence was supposed to say. Uh, Catacombs served a variety of functions and not just a place to keep your pop pop when his day came. Funeral feasts were celebrated in family vaults on the day of burial and on anniversaries. Uh, The Eucharist, or communion for you normal people, (laughs) which accompanied funerals in the early Christian church and I think in the modern Christian church if you're Roman Catholic. They do communion during funerals? Yes. Okay. Yeah, during funerals and weddings and really any time you get to a church, they'll put <laughs> communion in you. Gross. <laughs> Gotta get your daily daily dose of Jesus. I swear to God, I had a teacher on multiple occasions, like, look at me get in line for a communion at church and be like, you haven't been to confession recently enough. I'm sorry, Mrs. Schmidt. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I am sinless. I'm eight. Oh, man. This is going to be a whole tangent. But um, before my brother got married, uh, they had a full Catholic mass because God. Which brother? Uh, well, both of them. But okay. the oldest okay. um, had one mm-hmm. in our home parish, mm-hmm. uh, which has a very conserv Like, he's very young, but he's very conservative. Um, so he made all the bridesmaids and groomsmen if they were catholic do confession and i admitted during confession like i don't really go to church regularly and got a whole lecture about (laughs) how you're not supposed to take the eucharist if you've like missed a sunday or a holy day or something like that and so every time now i go home and he's still there at that parish it's like oh i'm gonna get in line for communion anyway you can't check up on me (laughs) it's it's just a big fuck you to father paul every week (laughs) Yeah, Father Novak was a dick, and there's a reason that they moved him to a parish in South America. <laughs> Anyways, they also celebrated, you know, funeral masses down there. Yep. In some catacombs, larger halls and connected suites of chapels, which we know from the Da Vinci Code, are actually the little alcoves in the churches and not, like, Oh, you know. yeah. Yeah, they were shrines for devotions to saints and martyrs, as they yep. are above ground, but they just made them below ground. <laughs> as above, so below? Yes. <laughs> yes. As it is on Earth, as it is in Heaven, as am I, as are myself. If I could get that whole explanation just tattooed on, like, my... <laughs> I almost said but I would never. Oh, I love it. Uh, the catacombs also, because of their intricate layout and access by secret passages to sand quarries and open country, could be used as hiding places during times of quote-unquote persecution and civil commotion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. Early days, uh, not everyone was super cool. With no, the, they weren't. With the um, however, there were Christians who were so like ready to fucking go and had boners for being martyrs so hard. Oh my god! Yeah, that they would like go ask for it and they'd be like, "No, <laughs> no, you want us to do what to you? God damn it, you weirdo!" <laughs> anyway, so they were persecuted. It just wasn't like. Spanish Inquisition, Mayan takeover by the Spanish, like, levels of, if you don't believe in our God, we'll murder you. I was going to say, you could argue that there are Christians out there today who still have that same attitude. 
Oh, probably. Oh, definitely. The martyr complex? Yeah. Sorry to get political. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the breakdown I had during our first Colts episode, which happened right <laughs> after the election. Oh, God. <laughs> I've also gotten in trouble for my quote-unquote opinions asserted in the Salem Witch Trials episode. Oh, boy. God forbid. So, um, catacombs, speaking of, were not just a Christian or exclusively Roman invention. They just have a bigger attachment to their dead, the Christians, um, like the the Jewish and the, the Christians who lived in Rome at that time, uh, right. than other religions, and thus it made it their thing. Uh, the custom of burying the dead in underground rock chambers goes way back. Uh, catacombs are found all over the world. And I'm not, I don't talk about it because it's such a deep, 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 deep subject, but there are ancient catacombs that I think go back into the BCs in like Malta. God, that sounds really fucking cool. It is really fucking cool. I want to go visit those catacombs. I just want to go to Malta, honestly. Well, I mean, that too. And I'm going to talk more about the Roman catacombs later, but since they are like the building block to the rest of the catacombs that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, yeah. So the early Christian catacombs of Rome are located in a rough circle about three miles from the center of the city. About 40 chambers are known, and most are found near the main roads leading into the city. Um, they are the most extensive of all known catacombs, but not the f- fullest, most full. Busiest? Aren't as populated. Packed. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I even... New, like it makes sense now that you say it. Like, of course, that was a thing that started in Rome, but like, I don't think I even knew that there were catacombs in Rome. Yeah, um, yeah. Huh. Well, there, Thanks as for far as me, I Emily. know, and I like I said, I will talk about it later. But burying dead was outlawed in Rome for a certain amount of time because the pagan tradition was to burn bodies. So the Catholics, like couldn't afford to buy plots of land so they tunneled and after it was non-outlawed it was inlawed (laughs) um a lot of the bodies were moved to actual so there's been some there's still ones that have a ton of remains in them but they had a lot of the bodies taken out because they didn't have to be there anymore interesting cool So anyway, that was kind of the overview, and now we're going to talk about specific catacombs around the world. Not all of them. Couldn't do all of them. Would have died. Emily, I'm just, I really feel like you don't do the research for this podcast that this podcast deserves. I have eight pages of notes. I looked at Bones for three hours last (laughs) night when I could have been playing Breath of the Wild. (laughs) I had to sit here and listen to Travis play Red Dead Redemption. While I looked at dead monks. (laughs) I mean, if I'm going to be honest, looking at pictures of bones sounds just about as good and as fun as playing video games. Been watching my boyfriend murder (laughs) civilians. Um, No, I mean, it's really cool. The the Capuchin monks specifically have done some uh, interesting work. Oh, boy. But the first one we're going to talk to is the St. Mikan church in dublin ireland oh oh i've been here i didn't know you were gonna cover this this makes me really excited it's not the most impressive of catacombs but i knew you would appreciate it i would i i loved st Michael's. that was a great little you talk about it so have you seen you've seen these guys yes on my last trip 
Cool. So the foundation of the church was built in around 1095. 1095, I think is how I meant to say that. <laughs> you know, 10195. <laughs> 10095. 90210? Yeah. Uh, so Luke Perry is actually buried here. Oh, too soon. It is too soon. It'll always be too soon. So it was built in 1095 to serve Vikings who were still in Ireland after they had been killed or kicked out of other parts of Ireland by a man named Wolf the Quarrelsome in (laughs) 1014. Uh, The Irish. The church was rebuilt in 1686 and a large pipe organ was installed in 1724 on which Handel that guy is said to have played the Messiah. Yes. But all along, as the church changed, the crypt stayed the same, slowly mummifying its residents. Which I don't think there is any other way to mummify someone. Flash Even, mummification? Is that like flash freezing, like peas, where it just kind of seals in all the nutrients so you can still put it in a stir fry? And Maybe. Huh. As it turns out, whatever is preserving the mummies is also disintegrating their coffins. After a certain amount of time, the wood starts to decompose and fall away, and the preserved corpse comes falling out. Yep. Though it would be inappropriate for the church to break open caskets looking for mummies to display, although for some reason it's not inappropriate to display a uh, martyr's thigh bone in a church. (laughs) That's just extra holy. It doesn't count, apparently, when the mummies reveal themselves. So there's a loophole. (laughs) Yeah, they talked about that on the little tours. Like, they didn't dig any of them up. They just sort of started falling out. Let them happen. Oh, hey, I guess there's mummies here. So the mummies have revealed themselves. Um, While there are caskets strewn uh, about the small nooks in the wall, uh, some coffins are falling apart enough to reveal an arm or a leg. Um, Although there are four mummies that are pretty much entirely visible called the Big Four. Yep. They have no lids on their coffins, and they are displayed together. So on the right, you've seen them, right? I don't have to send you a picture. Yep. I Okay. Yeah. I could go look at my own pictures if I wanted. Or, uh, no, oh, cool. I, did. I couldn't take pictures in the crypt, but. That makes sense. Actually, a lot of these places have a no photography rule, but I have photography. I, yeah. Photographs, if you will. So on the right is a woman who is simply called the unknown rude uh and that's about all i know about her the middle one is called the thief and he's missing parts of both feet and a hand which some say was cut off as punishment although could have been other reasons i mean could have yeah gotten just hacked off in a battle or it fell off in the coffin somewhere and we haven't found it i don't It is believed the thief later converted and became a priest or respected man. Oh, yeah, I remember this. We're really just editorializing these mummies. I mean, I feel like it's a lot of speculation, but I feel like they also know enough about, like, burial practices and customs at the time that they can, like, actually analyze. Theoretically. Like, like their clothes and their bones, and they can at least get an idea. Next to him on the left lies a small woman thought to have been and known as the nun. Not that one. Are you sure? No. Although now I really want to watch The Nun. But the uh, true star here is the coffin set apart from the others and belonging to an 800-year-old mummy called the Crusader. Uh, It is believed that he was a soldier who either died in the Crusades or returned and died shortly thereafter. 
The Crusader uh, was quite tall for the time being six and a half feet tall, which still tall. Yeah, no, that's insane. Like, that's tall for today. I can't even imagine how tall that must have been. He was a giant. Back in, like, eight, what, 1200, whatever. Something like that, yeah. But his legs have been broken and folded under him to fit in the small coffin. Rude. His hand stretches out of the casket slightly, and visitors were once encouraged to give it a a touch uh, until 2017 when it was brought to an end. Probably because you shouldn't be touching 800-year-old bodies fuck that's i literally was in ireland in 2017 and they didn't let us touch the. i could have touched the mummy i can't imagine why you would want to touch the mummy absolutely if someone told me you're allowed to touch the mummy i would touch the mummy are you kidding (laughs) it's a mummy that's cool you know how much i love mummy (laughs) this is sad so prepare yourself I think I know what you're going into, but continue. In February 2019, the yeah. crypt was broken into and desecrated. The head of the crusader was stolen, the nun's body was decapitated, and another body was turned over. A man has since been detained and questioned in relation to the desecration. The skull has been returned to the crypts, but decomposition occurred due to the skull being out of its preserving environment for as long as it was. Yeah, fuck who... I. Not going to just jump to conclusions and assume it's that guy, but fuck that guy. No, fuck that guy for sure. Um, only one crypt is available for viewing at this point. Yes, yeah, and it's probably that one. Or Yeah. So the next one we're going to talk about is the Capuchin Catacombs in Palermo, Italy. This is a big one, but I'm going to leave why it's a big one until the end. Actually, there's a lot of weird, janky shit happening in this one. Oh, boy. And in case you were wondering, Palermo is in Sicily. I mean, that's still Italy. Yes. I, just some Italians are very, very specific about what kind, true, what kind true. of Italy, what section of Italy they happen to be in. <laughs> uh, Palermo's Capuchin uh, monks, which it is a kind of monk, not the monkey, which I think are named after the monks, but the monks are named after the hoods that they wear. I did wonder. Yeah. Uh, monkeys, monks, you know. Uh, don't quote me on that, though. I don't know if the monkeys are named after the monks. <laughs> Well, we'll just assume that they are, and I'll tell fun people, or I'll tell that fun fact to people and spread it, and it will become true. All right, let's tulpa that. So, uh, when Palermo's Capuchin Monastery outgrew its original cemetery in the 16th century, which would be the 1500s. Yep. I very rarely got that right. 19th centuries, the 1800s, blah, 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 blah. It's hard. You gotta um, do that really basic math. Yep. So they outgrew their original cemetery, and the monks began to excavate crypts below the monastery. And in 1599, they mummified one of their number, a recently dead brother named Silvestro of Gubbio. I know. And placed him into the catacombs as sort of an inaugural mummy. Oh, boy. It's believed that the particularly dry atmosphere allowed for the natural mummification of bodies, although initially priests would lay the dead bodies on shelves and allow them to... And this is a quote from the article I was reading. Allowed them to drip until they were completely depleted of bodily fluids. No! Don't full say year, drip. A full year later, the dried out corpse would be rinsed with vinegar before being redressed in their best clothes and set into their proper room to stand for eternity. <laughs> Actually, as a sidebar, I think this was in Rome. There were corpse toilets. And I have talked about this before. I'm positive. This sounds vaguely familiar. Please refresh my memory. Um, It was basically like a big... Like, porta potty bench underground in a church where there was a hole and a drain 
and they would set the dead body on top of the hole and they would just leave it there oh, and god. let it oh god and let it decompose and like all of the like the goo and shit would hmm leak would leak down into the hole leaving the bones i hate it it's it's disgusting and like people would go down there and like visit and when they were eventually <laughs> fully defleshed oh my god uh, the families would take the bones and you know do what you do with bones. People have always been very weird. Catholics have always been very weird. I mean, that too, specifically. But, like, I feel like just humanity in general has always been really fucking morbid. Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I think it's a side effect of being, uh, what's the word, like, self-aware that we will, will die. die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that actually comes up later. Oh, Interesting. So, originally, the catacombs were intended only for dead friars. Um, However, in the following centuries, it became, of course, a status symbol to be entombed in the Capuchin catacombs. I can imagine. In their wills, local fancy people would ask to be preserved in certain clothes or even have their clothes changed at regular intervals. (laughs) You know, like dickheads. (laughs) I'm just thinking, I was like, so, that's what they do? There's that little... Um, fountain of the peeing boy in Brussels. Yes. Um, I'm the blanking on the name now, but like little they, peeing boy. Yeah, they change his clothes for like different occasions, and now that's exactly what I'm picturing with these mummies. Yeah, but instead of a marble boy with his pee pee out, it's <laughs> your dead uncle who is like, mm, but I want to be wearing my gold doublet for Easter. Thank you. Exactly. And when your team is in the playoffs, you dress them in a football jersey. <laughs> for sure. There is definitely a body in the Capuchin Monastery right now wearing a Raptors jersey. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Priests wore their clerical ve- vestment. Wow. Priests wore their clerical vestments. Others were clothed according to contemporary fashion. And, you know, like a nice pair of high-waisted jeans. <laughs> So, like, as fashions change, do they, like, redress the mummies? Like, oh, God, these mummies are looking really dated. Let's I don't think make so. Them fat, more fashion I forward. think they just decided not to dress all of the priests in their fancy mass saying clothes and, like, okay. put them in a nice pair of slacks. <laughs> in my head, they're all dressed like Nacho Libre in his, uh, his, um, oh, fuck, what are they called? His recreation pants. <laughs> Relatives would visit to pray for the deceased and also to maintain the bodies in presentable conditions. I don't know exactly what that means, but, you know, you do what you want to do, I guess. Yeah. They're dead. They don't care. Dust them off a little bit, probably. (laughs) This is fun. The catacombs were maintained through the donations of the relatives of the deceased. Each new body was placed in a temporary niche and placed later into a more permanent place. As long as the contributions continued, the body remained in its proper proper place but when the relatives did not send money anymore the body was put aside on a shelf until they resumed payments yeah that sounds like the catholics to be fair (laughs) if you're gonna get a prime wall hanging spot (laughs) you gotta keep up with your payments i mean i get it the catacombs contained about eight thousand corpses and (laughs) 1252 mummies as stated by the last census which was made in 2011 Do a mummy census. The halls are divided into categories. Men, women, virgins, rude, (laughs) children, priests, monks, and professionals. (laughs) Let me tell you the amount of mummified cargo shorts and crocs that line the walls of the virgin hall. 
Oh boy. I hope there's big signs. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these virgins. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that tickles me so. It just because they have the men and women. I feel like that could just be the end of it. Right? They have to specifically call them out. But they got to be like, all right, this guy's a man, but he also had a job where he wore a suit. So <laughs> professional. I don't know if they were are women virgins or men virgins. I would have to assume women virgins because they don't really. Didn't because really... who gives a shit if it's a man? We're going to find out. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awful. Yeah, I don't really have any word on um, the gender of the virgins. What, what kind of virgins we're talking about. No count on how many either. <laughs> we're getting to the cool part. Uh, I'm sorry. None of this has been cool before? Okay, fair enough. The part that I was excited about. <laughs> the reason it's included on the list. As some are set in poses, for example, two children are sitting together in a rocking chair. Uh, no. The coffins were accessible to the families of the of the deceased, that in certain days the family could hold their hands and they could join their family in prayer. Uh, One of the most recent to be interred was Rosalina Lombardo, a two-year-old who died in 1920 of, I believe, tuberculosis or some old-timey 1920s disease. The embalming procedure used on Rosalina to keep her looking so, like, unfathomably fresh was kept a secret until recently because it had died with the creator. Um, she is so oh. well-preserved that she has been dubbed the Sleeping Beauty. Yes, I've seen this mummy before. It's been recently found out that the embalming procedure was a mixture of formalin to kill bacteria, alcohol to dry out the body, glycerin to keep it from overdrying, salic acid to kill fungus, and the most important ingredient, zinc salts to keep her rigid. Ugh. She Boy, looks... can't wait to post pictures of dead children on the Instagram. It's very well, on you know. brand. To be fair, it doesn't. She does not look dead. No, she. That's insane. Oh, and I wanted to address the rumor that her eyes open and close um, during the course of the day. Ugh. It's just no, no, no. It's just the lighting. Her eyes were never fully closed, and depending on the way the light hits it. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And like the. The way that her coffin is angled, because she's in a glass coffin, because mm-hmm. um, this is a mummy you want to protect. Of course. So, yeah, there's, like, glare happening. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, she's above ground, obviously, but most of the mummies are just hanging on the walls. As mummies do. Of As mummies do. It looks like Phantom Goddamn Manor in there. <laughs> That's not the last we're going to hear about the Capuchin monks, either. Like in this episode or? In this episode. Oh boy. It's not like I'm going to do it to be continued. <laughs> I was like, are they going to come up in a future topic that you're re- researching or? Yeah, monkeys. <laughs> so the next one, and I apologize if I do not pronounce this correctly. The Kam El Shakafa or Mound of Shards in Alexandria, Egypt. That sounds very cool. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. Oh, Interesting. I've never heard of this before. They're not just for Catholics. (laughs) According to legend, a donkey dragging a cart filled with stones in Alexandria, Egypt, accidentally fell into a pit in the ground. If the story is true, the donkey may have earned the honor of discovering this wonder of the world. I'm I'm definitely going to credit the donkey. Oh, of course. Donkeys don't get enough credit. They don't. Uh, The catacombs were named uh, Kam El Shakafa. 
I didn't... Uh, which means mound of shards, because the area used to contain a mound of shards <laughs> of terracotta. Literal. Which, yes, which mostly consisted of jars and objects made of clay. These objects were left by those visiting the tombs who would bring food and wine for their consumption during the visit. However, they did not wish to carry these containers home from a place of death, so they would break them and just leave the terracotta. Oh, I get it. At the time of the discovery, heaps of these broken containers were found. So, mound of shards. Just I don't know what they actually called it when this was built, because we don't know. Uh, the tombs were tunneled into bedrock in the 2nd century AD and reached nearly 100 feet down. Oh... To date, three sarcophagi have been found, along with other human and animal remains, which were added later. It is believed that the catacombs were only intended for use by a single family, and it is unclear why the site was expanded in order to house numerous other individuals. The facility was then used as a burial chamber from the 2nd century until the 4th century, before being rediscovered by that donkey in 1900. <laughs> Good old donkey. Yeah, he fell into an access shaft. <laughs> oh, hey, question... I don't know. Was the mummy okay? Or was was the mummy okay? I don't know. Was the donkey okay? I have to assume that he was brought back to town and like lauded as a hero. Okay, I'm going to choose to believe this version of the story. He definitely didn't die falling 100 feet into bedrock. So, you know. Not going to think about it. Please continue. <laughs> when you enter the catacombs, there is a circular staircase that takes you several levels deep into the ground. Um, three levels to be exact. Uh, to the left of the first entrance is a room where mourners of the deceased would sit and bring offerings and host banquet-esque gatherings, like a great hall. Um, like another staircase... Yes. Another staircase leads to a room full of sculptures. It's also worth mentioning that since these are not Christian in origin, these catacombs have a lot more in common visually with the pyramids and Egyptian tombs, obviously because it's in Egypt, uh, than the catacombs like the ones in Rome and Paris. They feature uh, yeah. intricately carved rocks and feature a number of sculptures and art pieces that kind of combine Roman and Egyptian art. It's really fucking cool. That sounds really interesting. So it is kind of like, I was going to say, it's not like the pyramids are catacombs because it's just like the one guy. Yeah, the pyramids um, are just, the um, pyramids. plus they, they are raised above ground. True, true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Duh. And they are for the one guy, so it's more just, you know, a tomb for a dude. Yeah. A giant mausoleum, as it were. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah. That looks cool as shit. Yeah, it's super Egyptian looking, um, but it also, like, some of the statues have, like, distinctly Roman features, because there is a big difference between what, like, an ancient Roman's face looked like as compared to an ancient mm -hmm. Egyptian's face. Neat. And, like, the hairstyles and the fashions. In this episode of Afternoonified, I will get deep into art history, which I barely remember <laughs> from the one class that I took in college. Oh, God, I remember when you were in that class. It's fun. I had to take it twice. <laughs> I rocked it the second time. They didn't change the curriculum very much. Well, that usually helps. Mm -hmm. So on the first level, there is a hallway that leads to a room called the Hall of Caracalla. It's a mass burial chamber. Although this room was not intended to be a tomb, it does contain the bones of young Christian men massacred by order of Emperor Caracalla in 215 AD, as well as horse bones. <laughs> On the second level, there are three huge stone coffins, or sarcophagi, with non-removable covers that line the sides of the chamber. 
It's assumed that the bodies were inserted in them from behind using a passageway which runs around the outside of the funeral chamber. So they're it, they're like up against a wall, uh-huh. and they it's like a magician's box. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see it. There's a hallway around 91 inches. Oh, there's a hallway with 91 inch deep walls in the central tomb chamber with carved recesses, each providing burial space for three mummies. It's a lot of mummies. I don't have yeah. a head count on this though. Really. No one's ever counted the mummies? No one's done a mummy census? I don't think they've done a full mummy census. Because I think in some of the rooms, it's just bones. Oh, yeah, that does pose a problem. And unlike with... estimate, but... Well, yeah, unlike with Paris, they didn't unearth them and move them there, so they kind of had a count of how many graves that they dug up. It's just these were there. Um, And the third level is currently completely underwater because of, you know, standing groundwater. So I'm not sure what's down there. Water, I guess. Yeah, wet mummies. All right, we're on to the big ones. We're going to talk about... I'm sure that makes catac- great audio, me doing the drum roll on my table. Yeah. Uh, the catacombs of Rome in Rome, Italy. In the Italian Rome or... The the Italian Rome, yes. Not Rome, Georgia? <laughs> I That'd be there's weird. there's Athens, Georgia. Ah. There might be a Rome, Georgia. I don't know. There's a Rome somewhere. Um, There's a Cairo uh, in like... Kentucky or some shit. Yeah. There's a Paris, Texas. (laughs) So I've already gotten in a little bit to these catacombs because they were what could potentially be considered the originals. Um, The OG catacombs. At least in terms of what we knew about until the donkey. (laughs) And also those ones in Malta, which I didn't research extensively, so I don't know when they were discovered. It is estimated, like I said, that there are around 40 different catacombs beneath Rome. Uh, Many of these have only been discovered as recently as the 1950s. Wow. The catacombs were dug because Roman law forbade the burial of corpses within the city walls, and unlike the pagans who incinerated their dead, Christians and Jews buried theirs because of the belief, at least for Christians, that we need our bodies intact for the second coming. Right, when they blow that big horn and everyone comes back to life. Yeah, that concept kind of negates a lot of incidentals. Mm-hmm. Like de- decomposition. Yeah. So, whatever. Uh, since most Christians and Jews at the time belonged to lower classes or were slaves, they usually lacked the resources to buy land for burial purposes. Instead, the networks of tunnels were dug deep into layers of tufo, which is volcanic rock, uh, which naturally occurred on the outskirts of Rome. Um, and it was free, because who's going to stop you? <laughs> At first, these tunnels were probably not used for regular worship, but for burial and for memorial services, celebration of feast days of Christian martyrs. Um, There are 60 known subterranean burial chambers in Rome, most of them being closed to the public for structural reasons. I was going to ask, like, is this a thing you can visit? Because if you can visit, I'm going back to Rome. You can, just not all of them. Gotcha. I'm actually going to talk about one specifically that you can visit, and I think that you specifically would enjoy. I bet. Well, it's I mean, nuts. just generally I like bones, but I also feel like there's probably something else that you're alluding to. Continue. Yep. <laughs> uh, they were built outside the walls along main Roman roads like the Via Appia um, and a couple others, which I can't pronounce because my Latin is shit. Uh, names of the catacombs like the St. Calaxtus and St. Pa- Sebastian uh, refer to martyrs that had been buried there. 
About 80% of the excavations used for Christian burials date to after the time of the, and I put alleged persecutions in my notes. (laughs) You don't need to get so political, Emily. Yeah, I'm definitely getting political with that, what, like, thousand-year-old, <laughs> 2,000-year-old. It's been a long time since I took Bible history. Um, excavators, also known as fossors, who were probably slaves, built the systems of galleries on top of each other. They lie, and I have a lot of measurements for this one, but not for the other ones. <laughs> Uh, They lie 23 to 62 feet below the surface in an area of more than 590 acres. Damn. Uh, Narrow steps descend as many as four stories to join the levels. Passages are about eight by three and a half feet. So eight feet tall, three and a half feet wide. Okay. I guess that's not as cramped as I was thinking. Uh, Loculi. Loculi? Burial niches. (laughs) Were carved into the walls. Again, very soft rock, so not difficult. Uh, And these uh, burial niches are 16 to 24 inches high and about 47 to 60 inches long because smaller people. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why they broke the legs of that (laughs) That poor six foot six man. Bodies were placed in chambers in stone sarcophagi in their clothes and bound in linen. And then the chamber was sealed with a marble slab bearing the name, age, and day of death. You know, headstones. Yeah. Uh, The fresco decorations along the passages provide the main surviving evidence for early Christian art, which includes some, like, amazing frescoes. And I say amazing in, like, the terms of art student amazing. You know? They're not, like... Like, they're interesting pieces of art. They're not, like, realistic and... It would be creepy if they were photorealistic. Right, yeah. Not a Dutch master. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) There's none of that guy where all of his figures look like Putin. What was his name? Van Eck or something? Uh, Probably. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah, those look nice. Yeah. Some florals and greenery going on. Yeah, they're and frescoes in general are just pretty dope. You can quote me on that. Frescoes are dope. Hyphen Emily. <laughs> now, I, I already said that there are a shitload of catacombs in Rome, and I'm not going to talk about every one of them, because, again, that's too much. But I am going to tell you about, and I capitalized every word in this sentence, the very metal Santa Maria della... Con- <laughs> eh, whatever. Italian word crypts. Conchazione? Whatever. They're capuchin crypts. <laughs> And as we know, these guys are nuts. Yeah. Uh, so the Capuchin Crypt is a small space comprising of several tiny chapels located beneath the church of Santa Maria, blah, 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 uh. di Cappuccini on the Via Veneto near um, Piazza Barberini in Rome. Cool. You can Google map that. <laughs> it contains the skeletal remains of 37,000 bodies. What? 37,000. 3,700 bodies. <laughs> 3,700 then, not 37,000. 3,700 is what I meant to say. Oh, you're having a rough time of it tonight. Uh, Anyway, 3,700 bodies believed to be Capuchin friars buried by their order. The Catholic order insists that the display is not meant to be macabre, (laughs) uh, but a silent reminder of the swift passage of life on Earth and our own mortality. Whew. 37,000. Jesus Christ. Is this, I was going to say, is this like the memento mori sort of idea? Oh, yes. Yeah. 
There are six total rooms in the crypt, five featuring unique Five featuring a unique display of human bones believed to have been taken from the bodies of friars who died between 1528 and 1870. If you will please refer to your visual guide. Ooh, that is fucking metal. Yes. Like I said, they are nuts. That's cool. That's so cool. It's about to get cooler. These are open to the public? Yes. Hell yes. So the rooms (gasps) featured are... The Crypt of Resurrection, featuring a picture of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, framed by various parts of a human skeleton. The Mass Chapel, as an area used to celebrate Mass, does not contain bones. (laughs) Though in the altarpiece, Jesus and Mary... um, Oh, eh, Francis, Stacey, and Free Souls from Purgatory. It's a picture of Jesus and Mary and some saints freeing some souls from Purgatory. The chapel contains a plaque with the acronym D-O-M, which stands for Deo Optimo Maximo, or To God, the Best and Greatest. Okay. A term initially used to refer... (laughs) Oh, wait. A term initially used to refer to the pagan god Jupiter, but claimed later by the Christians. I mean, that's that's it. That's the whole religion. (laughs) Just wait. Just wait. (laughs) The plaque contains the actual heart of Maria Felice Peretti, the grandniece of Pope Sixtus V, and a supporter of the Capuchin Order. Yike. The chapel also contains the tomb of uh, the papal Zuvas, who died defending the papal states at the Battle of Porta Pia. You know, some Italian guy who did some shit in history. (laughs) Uh, We also have the Crypt of Skulls, which is stacks of skulls. The Crypt of Pelvises... Oh, okay. are those stackable too? I think so. I think they interlock kind of like Legos. <laughs> uh, the Crypt of Leg Bones and Thigh Bones, <laughs> which is connected to... <laughs> Sorry, I made myself laugh. Uh, and then the Crypt of the Three Skeletons. Uh, let me see if I can find... Hmm, yes. Can't find any pictures of the pelvises specifically? Oh boy, that must have been a risky Google. Well, you know, you do what you can with what you have. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, uh, the Crypt of the Three Skeletons, where the center skeleton is enclosed in an oval, the symbol of life coming to birth. Uh, In its right hand, it holds a scythe, a symbol of death, which cuts down everyone like grass in a field. (laughs) While its left hand holds the scales. Kind of like Lady Liberty, you know? Yeah. Give me your tired, your poor, your rotting corpses. Yes. Um, A placard written in five languages declares... What you are now, we used to be. What we are now, you will be. You're welcome. What? Who wants to? T- You're Sorry. welcome? The we are welcome was just the next line of my notes, and I was just really <laughs> into reading it. So it does just say what you are now, we used to be. What we are now, you will be. As in, hey, we're skeletons. Join us. <laughs> and then the next line of my note says, you're welcome. Who wants to talk about the Paris catacombs? Me. The ones that you've been to. I have been. I mentioned this in the commentary that actually won't be released by this time this episode has come out. Next week. It'll be released next week. I went to Paris specifically because I wanted to see the catacombs. That is also why I hope to someday go to Paris, but also I want just like an armload of baguettes and Disneyland Paris, but. Yeah, that too. Mostly the bones. <laughs> the bones and the bread. As it turns out, there is no portal to he- to hell in the Paris catacombs I that mean, not we that know of. You found. Not that I found in my research. Um, let's get into the story 
of the Paris catacombs and why they exist. In the 18th century, the cemeteries of Paris were running out of space. <laughs> if that wasn't bad enough, some of the bodies weren't buried properly and were spreading disease, which is super cool to do during like the height of plague season. Yeah, good work, everybody. Good, good job all around. Paris's original prime spot to be buried uh, before the catacombs took the reins was Les Innocents, the city's oldest and most used graveyard. People were dying to get in. Emily, leave. Nope, I'm presenting the episode. Uh, there was one problem, though. By the time the 18th century rolled around, so many people had been buried there that it became overcrowded, and nearby residents were complaining about the pungent smell of death that was overtaking the entire city. And I don't know if you know this, but the city of Paris in that time period was already super stinky. I was gonna say, like, I feel like just cities in general in that time period were the worst. Do like, you remember perfume, uh, ser- like, uh, story of a serial killer, whatever that was called? I remember you telling me about it. I think I've read the Wikipedia synopsis. I've not seen the actual movie. The beginning of the film, which takes place during this time period, roughly, says specifically, Paris reeks. Yeah. I would say, I feel like London had a similar problem where they, like, dumped all their shit in the river. Literally, their shit. Yes. And the, it was called, like, the Great Stink or something. Like, it was very bad and it was a no public one, health crisis. Yeah, no one really knew about, you know, pathogens and shit like that in the 1700s. We still thought that the plague was caused by like evil spirits. <laughs> so, overcrowded was probably an understatement seeing that after a flood broke the perimeter of the cemetery, bodies buried there became began floating out onto the ground. <laughs> Ultimately, Parisian officials chose to condemn the city's cemeteries and move the remains contained there elsewhere. The officials turned some of the city's underground quarries, which had been used when the city of Paris was built. Uh, they were able to organize the movement of more than six million bodies underground, all taken from previously existing graveyards throughout Paris. By transporting the dead via carts, and depositing them into their final resting place at night so they could avoid angry people. God, can you imagine trying to get a project like that done now? Like, it would never happen. (laughs) So unlike the other catacombs, which were a religion thing or a rich person thing or a weird monk thing, uh, the Paris catacombs exist because of an act by ye old Parisian Department of Health and Sanitation. (laughs) Can that be the pull quote from this episode? Yes, please timestamp that one for me so I remember to go grab it. Uh, The first evacuations were made from 1785 to 1787 and concerned the largest cemetery in Paris, which we talked about, which had been closed in 1780, and after uh, use for nearly 10 centuries. Holy mother of God. The tombs, common graves, and charnel houses were emptied of their bones, which were transported, like I said, at night to avoid hostile reactions from the Parisian population and the church. Yeah, yeah, fair. I don't know. I think I would be in favor of this little project. You know, I would rather them move the bodies underground than have the bodies spill out onto the streets. Yeah, and smell and that kind of stuff. Yeah, unpleasant all around. The bones, which had previously been loosely piled... Their words, not mine. Like, literally the words from the Paris Catacombs website were loosely piled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They were carefully organized in walls, according to a quarry backfill arrangement, which I believe is in a 
orderly fashion. Uh, the facade of the main ossuary consists of rows of tibia alternating with skulls, and the remaining bones were piled behind the wall. They were often only small fragments as a consequence of their uh, being dumped into the quarry. Oh, yeah. Uh, masonry monuments in the antique and Egyptian styles were also installed along the circuit in the shape of columns, altars, steles, uh, which is kind of like a shield shape, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. uh, or tombs. Certain areas were named after religious, romantic, or antique sources, such as the lacrimatory sarcophagus, the Samaritan fountain, or the sepulchral lamp. All of these amazing band names, and probably band names of, you know, metal bands in Paris already. Yes, but I am sure. I would hope so. Sepulchral ramp, but lamp is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, with the aim of adding an educational aspect to the area, two cabinets were built in the style of traditional cabinets of curiosities. Like the podcast? Is, yes. Aaron Mankey's Cabinet of Curiosities? Yes. Uh, weirdly, they managed to form these cabinets in the shape of that podcast. <laughs> Weird. I know. One was dedicated to mineralology, uh, the other to pathology. And the pathology cabinet showed specimens that referred to bone illnesses and deformations, as established in the research of a man named Dr. Michel Augustin Thurut in 1789. So, basically, when they found a weird-looking bone... They just, like, this, put it on display. Yep. Cool. Another nice touch are the plaques featuring religious and poetic texts that are found throughout the galleries, which I think make an appearance in that film. Yeah, I remember seeing them, too. The site was consecrated as the Paris Municipal Ossuary in, on April 7th, 1786, but so it's pretty official. much exclusively been known as the Paris Catacombs. Oh, yeah. The Paris Municipal <laughs> Ossuary. <laughs> I'm not going to send you pictures because you know what they look like, but that big ass column of bones in the middle of it. Yeah, the big kind of, it's almost like a barrel shape. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a picture of it. I might put it up on the Instagram. So if I had looked harder, I could probably have found the measurements of the tunnels and shit like I did for Rome. But I thought it would be more fun to share with you some of the weird stuff people have been getting up to down there. Oh, boy. Yes, please. Uh, like the alleged secret swimming hole that's supposed to exist in one of the old no, quarries. No, don't go swimming there. You'll There's die. also remains of a Nazi hideout. Well, that tracks. But both sides used the, the catacombs during World War II. God. Give me a movie about that. Fighting yes, Nazis in the catacombs in occupied France. Um, it should also be noted that all 200 or so miles of tunnels are not filled with bones. The ossuary is where most of them are housed and the rest are tunnels left over from the quarry days. Yeah. There are, you know, random like decorations on the walls and stuff once you, you know, get into it. But yeah, they didn't fill all 200 with bones. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of just tunnels. But in 2004, Parisian police explored a formerly remote section of the catacombs as part of their training routine. In their search, they encountered a sign warning people to turn back due to construction, even though there were no official development plans in the area. Ooh, After they I passed it, like they this. heard the sound of dogs growling and barking in the darkness. They found out that it had been originating from a recording device being played over a sound system installed to scare off intruders. There was also a camera set up to take pictures of intruders. <clears throat> okay. First, I'm relieved because why are you keeping your dogs underground? That's cruel. But, oh, that's worse. That's worse. As the police moved on, they uncovered a, an elaborate setup inside more 
inside a more than 1,600 square foot cavern, complete with a sizable movie screen, as well as seats chiseled into the catacomb's stone. The makeshift cinema neighbored a bar and restaurant <gasps> wired with electricity and phone lines. Okay, I take everything I said back. That's fucking awesome. The officers eventually exited the site, and when they returned a few days later to analyze the scene, they found the phone and power line shut off, as well as a note which read, Do not try to find us. <laughs> So that's one fun thing. Oh, boy. In 2017, a gang of French thieves drilled through the limestone walls into a nearby vault, which was located underneath an apartment building, and contained around 300 bottles of vintage wine. (gasps) The thieves made off with the wine, valued at 250,000 pounds. Holy mother of God. I would like to present the title, The Great Paris Wine Heist. (laughs) I was going to say, give me a movie about that, too, while you're at it. (laughs) Just call it Wine Heist. Emily, we've got some movies to write. (laughs) Uh, Mushroom farming was also a popular activity at one point. I was going to say that's what they use the Wabasha Caves for in St. Paul. Yeah. The practice began. Is that the one with the gangsters and the... The gangsters, yeah. We talked about it on on Boo Yes. The practice began in the 19th century when a Parisian named Monsieur Chambéry ventured down into the tunnels and observed a patch of wild mushrooms growing within a chamber. He decided to use the abandoned tunnels to begin growing his own uh, button mushrooms, a practice which was soon recognized and accepted by the Horticultural Society of Paris. So they were legally growing mushrooms. God, catacomb mushrooms. Soon, farmers all around flocked there to begin their farms. Uh, Mushroom farming in the catacombs became a thriving business venture. And in fact, if you know where to look, you can probably find some farmers still down there. I would almost guarantee it. I would love some catacomb mushrooms. I'm not a big mushroom fan, but I think if you told me they're from the catacombs, I would eat them. Um, And to round out and to um, kind of give some background to next week's very, very special episode, there is also a community of people called cataphiles, which are a group of urban explorers who enjoy spending time and exploring the catacombs. Like our friends, the Papillon. Guys, I don't think we actually, like, said it, said it. We did in a previous episode, but um, we are going to release a full-length commentary on the movie As Above, So Below next week. The full thing. Yeah, we just recorded it last week. Um, It should be fun. (laughs) It's definitely an experience you'll have. Uh, so these people are generally respectful of the dead and create maps of the tunnels, um, you know, and keep people from getting lost. Uh, the cataphiles have been creating building their own community within the quarries and tunnels for uh, years, and some paint art, furnish rooms, or just party down there. I would. I would never go to a party in the catacombs because I'm deeply claustrophobic, but... In principle, it sounds very cool. I mean, there's a lot of caverns down there. I don't think I could crawl over bones to get to one, but... No, pass. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's the catacombs. (sighs) I want to go back now. Um, like I said, I looked at a lot of bones for this. (laughs) Uh, Do you have pictures of the Paris catacombs? I do, and I will put them up on Instagram for everybody to see. I didn't post them on my own Instagram. I appreciate you. Um, because I was like, Ugh, do I do I really want pictures of dead bodies on my personal Instagram? I mean, I'll post them on the afternoon to find Instagram, no problem. But I, it's still one of my deepest 
desires to see a mummy in real life. So, Well, you saw the one at the science museum. We did not go to the science museum. <gasps> That's right. We did. And the King Tut exhibit I went to was That's just a recreation. Right. I'm so disappointed. I know. It was because I was like, I remember taking pictures of the mummy for you last time I was at the science museum. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, next time I visit, we can go see the monkey. Well, well not the monkey mummy. Um, I mean, there is that I know. One there you too, have a real like, mummy, too, but I'm very mummy. interested in the monkey mummy. You know, your local celebrity. Our local mascot hero, the mummy monkey. Uh, him and the NPR raccoon together. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the raccoon. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's what I got. Guys, if- go go see the catacombs in yeah. Paris specifically, but also anywhere else. Uh, go it's go cool. get a piece of them capuchin monk catacombs. If you want to see those pictures, they'll be on our Instagram at Afternoonified. We're also on Twitter at Afternoonified, Facebook.com slash getafternoonified, which really you can follow it and it'll just it's just what we post on the Instagram at this point. Yeah. Um if you're not an Instagram person and you still want to follow, we do post them on Facebook as if well. If you're somebody's aunt, that's the place for you. <laughs> Let's see. Our website is getafternoonified.com. You can email us at contact at getafternoonified. Uh you can donate. There's a link right here in the episode description. Yeah, throw some money our way. We like that. We promise not to spend it on candy. Well, you promise. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. We will, this will not be released before we have Sarah, other Sarah on, but I hope in two weeks you enjoy our conversation with Sarah Iyer of the Percast. It's about kitties. It is about kitties. And next week there will be a bonus episode. It's our As Above, So Below um, commentary. You're welcome. So go ahead and like make plans to rent that. It's on it's on Netflix. It's currently on Netflix, yeah. Where you can borrow my DVD. Um I found <laughs> she out paid the other day. $26 for it via Redbox. I found out the other day that if you have a DVD that you didn't accidentally steal from a Redbox, <laughs> there are a lot of interviews on them. But that's just something I have to live with. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go.